Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Rusty Simmons, a Chronicle sports writer and former Warriors beat writer. During our conversation, we fielded readers pressing questions ahead of Tuesday's season opener at Brooklyn. Rusty Simmons, man, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It feels like it's it's been forever. I, I can't even remember the last time, and that is my fault for for uh, not having you on more because you have such a such a wealth of knowledge. Uh, having been my predecessor on the beat, uh, you're on the beat. What seven, eight years? Yeah, I mean, it felt like 20 years during that time because there were a lot of bad years before the first championship. But uh, yeah, I think I think eight years we did it. Yeah, and we still have you around. I know you're you're helping me with uh, season preview content this week, and you'll be writing uh, some stuff. And what is going to be a really important week for the Warriors with with the Nets and the and the Christmas Day game against Milwaukee, and then getting James Wiseman acclimated to the to the rotation. So there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines. Um, I uh, I feel like I have a lot of respect for the grind that you went through because I'm in I'm in year five now, uh, and I feel like I've been on the beat forever. Um, and, and it's funny, like talking to people in the organization, they're like, man, you've been around forever. And I'm like, I can't even believe that that's something that can be said now, um, because it feels like I just got on in some ways. But at the same time, it doesn't. But your five years, in fairness, your five years were like twice what I went through because. Yeah, but then last time was shortened and then this right, season I'm right. not traveling at all, yeah, at yeah. least for the foreseeable future. So but I had several of those because back in the day, the Warriors would get eliminated by the all-star break and then they would pull us off the road. So at least you were, I was covering it remotely and the kind of the travel. Yeah. That would, that would frustrate me so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough not being there for sure. Yeah. I mean, the good thing about not traveling this season is no one's traveling. So right. uh, at least I don't feel like I'm at a competitive disadvantage yeah. um, in any way. Uh you know, we're all kind of figuring out this new reality and it's been challenging in certain ways, but also like we have so much more time, you know, like you realize realize how you realize how much time travel takes and getting from point A to point B. And I always tell people the hard part about this job is just like finding time to write when you're traveling and, and doing these radio interviews and doing everything else we have to do. Not trying to complain. I'm just trying to give uh, so insight into the listener on how how our job works. Right. Uh, we, we work hard, but it is a lot of fun. <laughs> no, we work hard, but the vast majority of the time, it doesn't feel like a job. That's uh, right. Which you know, I don't think a lot of people can say that. So yeah. thank yeah. you for that. Um, this uh, this podcast, uh, I was thinking we should do a mailbag podcast, uh, kind of leading up to the season preview. We. Last week, I did somewhat of an actual season preview podcast, so I thought it'd be good to to hear more from the listeners and what they want to know about and 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 what's what's uh, what kind of their lingering questions are because I feel like we've we've answered a lot of them recently. So um, the first one is from at Dulo Twist. Will Molder jump Lee and Pool for the backup two reps due to his shooting? Um, so Michael Molder, in case you. You haven't been paying attention the past couple of days. Michael Mulder um, earned the Warriors 15th and final 15 man roster spot uh, a couple of days ago. He, it was 
it was pretty much clear entering training camp that that was probably going to be the case. And then once he started to do his thing in training camp and then in the first couple of preseason games, I pretty much wrote like he's definitely going to get the spot. Um, he's a guy that the Warriors love, especially Steve Kerr, um, par- partly because I think he has some similarities to Steve Kerr. Um, this is a guy who had to kind of take the long road, um, went undrafted out of Kentucky, barely played at Kentucky. Uh, he was stuck behind a bunch of NBA players there, uh, had had to kind of take the long route, spent three years in the G League, um, ended up putting cr- putting up crazy shooting numbers last season in Sioux Falls, uh, played kind of that old Duncan Robinson role where he was shooting, you know, 10 plus threes a game and making four or so of them. And then that caught the attention of the Warriors. They gave him a 10-day contract last season. He impressed in a small sample size, was given a three-year deal, but it was non-guaranteed. Um, so he was basically a training camp invite. And um, in training camp, he did what he does well, which is he shoots. I mean, the guy is a great shooter. Uh, and, you know, he he's he in the first preseason game, he came in and immediately in that Denver game, knocked down three straight threes which is exactly what he needs to do. He also has the length and lateral quickness to be pretty good defensively. Um, And he's actually a really good athlete. Like people just focus on his shooting, but the guy has a crazy vertical. I think it's like 40 inch vertical, um, really big wingspan, uh, really big hands. You know, the guy to me for a 15th man on the roster is, is a great, is a great pick. What do you, what did you think of, you know, him getting that spot? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I know, I think Warriors fans are catching up now, but I know there are some where it still sounds funny to think of the Warriors desperately needing shooting, (laughs) but they do. Um, And so it makes sense that he makes the roster. And I think the question is a good one because he has a chance to to jump some people. Um, It sounds like Jordan Poole put in a ton of work this offseason, and um, he definitely has uh, an acumen to be a shooter. So if that work pays off, Mulder's probably not passing them, but, um, and, and I think Damon, Damian Lee at this point is playing a different position. <laughs> they're, they're playing him at three and sometimes four at this point. So, um, but the Warriors are desperately going to need shooting. They desperately need somebody to score off the bench. So there are opportunities there. Um, he better shoot closer to the way he did in Sioux Falls than he did last year for the Warriors. What, what did he end up at last year, Connor? 37, 38%, something like that? He was like 39% on, 10 plus attempts a game yeah. and there yeah. were only there was only one player in the nba who shot more threes at a higher clip and that was uh damian lillard um the only other player who even shot that many threes was james harden and he didn't do it at the same clip now we know it is the g league it's a different it's a different beast but you know three point lines the same you know yeah, you, don't right. have, you don't have the same caliber defender but it's still impressive um and he actually didn't shoot super well in his, on his 10-day uh, last season with the Warriors. Um, I think he shot, like, around 30% from three, but it was a really small sample size, and he had, like, one or two bad games, which can really, you know, color your numbers. But um, the Warriors saw enough from him in practice and that sort of thing to believe that he could be, you know, a borderline elite shooter at this in this league. And, um, you know, in the, in the NBA, in the modern NBA – few things matter more than shooting. And like you said, the Warriors need shooting. There is not a single player on this team who's available this season who last season shot above the league average from three. 
Um, the league average with 35.8%. Uh, the, the best player returning from three was Damian Lee, who shot, I think, 35.6. And uh, Steph Curry, I was obviously injured, so you kind of you can't really count him. And, you know, his small sample size, I don't think he shot that well from three. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they need more shooting, especially with Clay out. And Andrew Wiggins is a, an okay three-point shooter, same with – Kelly Oubre, but they need more out of them from the three-point shooting. They, they shot a ton of threes in preseason, um, which, which you know, I'm not sure how smart that is. I think that was mainly just because the lane was getting really clogged and the three the key was getting really clogged. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. But to, to finish answering this question, Mulder is – I and I told this to Wes Goldberg, a good friend of mine who's also on the beat. I told him this recently. I wouldn't be shocked if – you really saw Mulder come on over the course of the season to the point where he was getting meaningful rotation minutes and, and, and maybe even uh, leapfrogs Damian Lee and Jordan Poole. Um, I think Jordan Poole and Damian Lee are good players. Um, I think Poole is still young. I think he's still very much figuring it out. Even though Mulder is, is basically an NBA rookie. He, you know, has he's like 26 years old, has been around the block a little bit. That matters. Uh, Damian Lee to me is is a solid backup, but he's not. If you're a team that's seriously trying to contend for a title or at least contend for home court advantage in the West, I'm not sure you feel super comfortable with him as your top backup wing. Um, uh, I just I don't think he's great at anything. I think he's good at a lot of things, but he doesn't have that like elite skill. And I think that Mulder has a potential to be a, an elite three point shooter in this league. So I, I mean, a lot of things would need to happen, but I do think there's a chance that Mulder ends up becoming like the eighth man on this team at some point, maybe not this season, maybe next season, but I think there's a chance. Plus you love every G league player in the world. So true. You, you there there bias there. You, there yeah. bias there. Um, I also just love his story, but Hey, Damian Lee had a great story too. That's uh, right. Uh, you know, and, and I got to correct you. Damian Lee is elite at one thing. What is his energy is elite. Fair. He comes, fair, he fair. comes in and it is just, it changes right. the entire dynamic. And that, that's a real thing. Yeah. 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 That's a real skill in the NBA. And I do, I do think Mulder has that too. Um, yeah. But, you know, those guys have to have that, right? Because they're right. not going to stick around if they don't. Yep. Um, so the, the next question is from at Bendelian SXC. Do the Warriors really see Smiley as a future rotational piece? I just don't see it. Um, now, I, I'm guessing this is referencing a story I wrote a few days ago looking at Smiley's Alan Smiley Geach's development. And basically the Warriors are hopeful that he can develop into like a true pip and pop big in the NBA. They're, they're kind of hoping that he can be like the next Davis Bertans out of Washington, uh, which would be a great trajectory for him. But there's, there's still so many what ifs. I mean, he, this guy is 20 years old, um, came out of the Serbian third division, which is like a semi-pro league where he's playing basically kids that are high school level talent in the U S uh, dominated of course, but you know, didn't have a ton of pedigree or experience when he came to the G league for the Warriors and then played one year sparing minutes for them. And then was obviously with golden state last season, didn't play a ton of minutes for the NBA team 
when he did, he was kind of all over the place. He had a couple moments where he looked kind of enticing, but it's clear to me he has no idea how to play basketball yet. Um, I mean, that's not – I'm not trying to be overly critical. It's just true. Uh, he he uh, He's the type of guy when he gets the ball, he just sees the rim, and he just wants to run toward the rim and throw in a dunk or – or shoot a shoot a jumper and you know in the modern nba you need to be good at playing off the ball you need to you need to know how to how to you know move off screens and do all those things and that that's all still very much a learning process for him i mean this is a guy whose english is very much his second language he's not fluent in the language yet so that i think hurts at times um but uh i do think that he has a chance to be a legitimate rotation guy for this team, but it's not going to be this season. Um, best case scenario, it's next season. The, he's got an interesting situation with his contract where he signed a four-year deal. And only the first two years were guaranteed. So this this season is a really important season for him. He needs to – he doesn't need to, like, be a rotation player this season, but he needs to show that he uh, is improving and that he deserves to be invested in more. Um and so he can get, you know, that next year to, to, to potentially try to crack the rotation. The thing for me that's interesting is like, we don't know what's happening with the G league this season. Right. <laughs> and he's, he's a guy who really needs the G league. Um, you know, he, he needs to go down to Santa Cruz, get meaningful reps, be a go-to guy, you know, learn how to play off the ball, learn all those things that down there. Cause he's not, there's not very many practices with golden state in season. He's not going to get a lot of minutes. So, he needs to get better. And, you know, there's talk about a bubble potentially in Atlanta um, or maybe even the Dallas area uh, for the G League this season. Um, if, if he can be a part of that, that would be hugely beneficial for him. But I don't know how that all is going to work this season, like with the quarantines and guys going back and forth on two ways. Like there's still so many questions that I have about that. Yeah, I, I got to think that guys who go, it won't be like, you're back and forth the way it was. And it certainly won't be as convenient as it was in Santa Cruz. Right. Um, but uh, I think you hit on a, a ton of great points there. He's a baby. He's 20 years old. Right. Um, he's 20 years old. Well, I'm still kind of stupid now, but at 20, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on in life, let alone on a basketball court and uh, wouldn't have done well in another country. Um, so all of that is to be applied. And I think I've told you this story, Connor, I went down um last year or two years ago to do a story on Kent Lake up and during a shoot around where Smiley didn't even know if he was going to play in the game. He was just down there getting work in and Kent said, stop the interview and said, Hey, watch this. And after the shoot around Smiley is out there asking the coaches, all these kind of things about the upcoming opponent. And it wasn't even clear he was going to play. So he's hungry to learn. You're right. Yeah. He's know what he's doing yet, but, but he's hungry. And, and that that's a start. I completely understand why the Warriors are high on him and why they're excited about him. He he's a guy who has a really intriguing skill set. He's a you know a six ten power forward slash center, but he can uh, he can put the ball on the floor. He can attack the rim. He's aggressive. His confidence is unyielding. Um, you know, and and uh, I think this is a guy that if you put him like on Cal this year he would be their go-to guy and be like an all pack 12. Well, guy. We, we would both be the go-to guy on Cal right now. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I just use that because they're local, but uh, you know, he's, he's, 
he's got he's got a lot of talent. Um, it's just the NBA is so unforgiving with these young guys. Like I'm always skeptical whenever a team drafts someone as a long term project because I just know how little patience these teams actually have. Um, you know, these, they say, oh, you know, it'd be a few years, but we'll stick with them. It's like when you're actually talking about a team that's contending for something, those, the back end of the roster matters more. And suddenly you're not, you're not so patient with that 20 year old. Who's a complete, uh, who's a complete, you know, work in progress. So, um, the, he just needs to show progress. He needs to show that he is getting better. And I felt like he kind of, at least from what we saw in his NBA minutes, I felt like he kind of regressed last season, which was a little discouraging. I It was like the first few games he played, he actually looked like he had something going for him. And then toward the end of the season when he played, he looked like a deer in headlights. And it's like, wait, isn't that supposed to happen at the beginning of the season? Like we're in, you know, February here. What's up? You know what I mean? So um, the, the next question is from at GSW Fanatic. Any chance the Warriors can buy out Jessup's contract or finish Australia's season in time to see him on the team this year? The, dub, the Warriors could use a dead-eye shooter and a real decent chance he might be a find. Also, with Draymond and Wiseman on D, the Warriors maybe can play more offensive lineups at one, two, three. Um, so just the for some context here, for those who aren't paying – super close attention to um, the Warriors draft assets. He's referencing Justinian Jessup, who the Warriors got in the late second round in the draft last month. Uh, he's a guy, he's a sharpshooter out of, um, out of Boise state. He put up crazy shooting numbers last season at Boise state. Um, kind of like Michael Mulder was shooting like 40% on a really high volume of threes. Um, and the part of the reason why the Warriors really liked him was he actually had already agreed to play in Australia this season before the draft. He already signed a contract with the Illawarra Hawks, which is actually the team that LaMelo Ball played on last season. And so um, he was a guy who wasn't super confident he'd get drafted and figured even if he got drafted, he'd probably be a draft and stash guy. So he kind of got ahead of the curve and signed overseas for a season, um, which actually I think ended up being a really shrewd move on his part because I think – I'm not sure the Warriors would have drafted him had uh, he just been a normal guy. But the fact that they already knew that he was going overseas, they were like, look, go overseas to Australia, do your thing. We'll monitor you. If you impress us, we'll bring you over. If not, it's a late second round pick. Who who cares? Um, and he's already played a couple of games with the Eloir Hawks, and he's looked great. Like, he's looked awesome. Um, now – I don't know exactly how high of a level Australia is, but I, I, it's definitely a decent overseas league. It's not the Euro League, but, uh, you know, these rosters are filled with guys who were good college players in the U.S. Um, and so uh, the fact that he can come in right away and be kind of a go-to guy and and have the ball in his hands and be shooting as much as he is 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 a is a good sign. And, and um, you know, we talked earlier about how this team needs more shooting. You know, there, there is that thought of like, if he's already this good and he's already doing this thing, this, this type of stuff in a decent overseas league, why not just try to buy out his contract and bring him over this season? 
Um, I think they could do that potentially. They have to buy out his contract. They'd have to get a clearance from FIBA. They are, they do have the open two way contract still, which they could potentially give to him. Um, it's an interesting possibility, but I personally think you need to stay the course. I think you you let him do his thing in Australia. You continue to monitor him. If he's great there, awesome. You have a guy that you can add to the back end of your roster next season. Um, but I don't think you can you 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 should get carried away here uh, and change course because the reality is even if you did buy out his contract and bring him from. Australia, he's not going to be a huge difference maker. I mean, this season, this is a guy who averaged like 15 points per game for Boise State last year. Like, he's a good shooter, but he's not, you know, there's a reason why he wasn't even really on NBA teams' radar until the end of last season. So, um, yeah, I think I think he's just a – I think it was a good move on a Bob's Bob Myers' part taking him, and I think they need to, to, to stick with the plan and, and continue to monitor him. Yeah, I I would probably just say I agree. But to make it more interesting, I'll say when I saw – I got to admit, I didn't watch a, one, a bunch of Boise State games last year. Yeah, but <laughs> when I saw his numbers, I assumed he stood in the corner and shot threes. But in, in the first highlights that I saw from Australia, he did like a James Harden step back. And I was like, oh, yeah. wait, this might be something different. So um, just to be different than you, I'll say I think they should bring him over right away and play him immediately. He should probably start. I do think like if the circumstances were different, um, he would have value on that second two way. Um, you know, right now it's not really clear what they're going to do with it. Uh, you know, the season starts tomorrow, um, but they can sign anyone to it whenever. Juan Discount and Anderson would probably be the logical person there. A uh, guy they just cut played decently well for them last season didn't really do anything in preseason. He just doesn't bring anything to the table offensively, but he's like a high energy guy who plays smart and, you know, is an East Oakland guy and a, a good locker room guy. You could do worse on the two way. Um, personally, I would let, I'd rather use the two way on a guy who can actually be a factor going forward, which Jessup could be. Um, but if Jessup's not a possibility and, and you want to go some, a different direction than Toscano, I think there's, you know, guys available out there from other teams who got cut, you know, or undrafted rookies that are interesting. I thought Caleb Wesson at Ohio State would make sense. Um, he was with the Warriors in training camp. He's a floor spacing big, which the Warriors kind of need right now. Uh, shot over 40% from three last season at Ohio State. Um, but he got cut already, and it doesn't look like he'll be getting the two-way. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. You weren't convinced by all Looney and Chris's threes during the exhibition season? Chris, I think, has some potential there. But Looney, like, the guy is not a shooter. Like, he's a, a, a career 60% free throw shooter. Like, I, I understand experimenting in preseason, but I don't see that being a real asset for you going forward. We'll have more of my conversation with Rusty Simmons right after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
The next question is from some of the all of these names, man. I can't even pronounce them. Uh, this is from at Sawu Scimitar74. Uh, will Stephen Curry win his third MVP award if he stays healthy? Um, there's a chance for sure. I mean, yes, he's 32 years old. Yes, he's coming back from uh, a pretty serious injury, but um, all the reports from training camp and what we saw in preseason, he's back to the old Steph. I mean, the last two preseason games, he looked great. He looked like Steph of old. He was, you know, doing all the those dizzying dribbling displays and scoop shots and the deep threes and the transition threes. And it was, it was Steph of old. So I thought that was super encouraging and assuming he can stay healthy. I think he has the potential to put together a really nice season. Now MVP caliber. um, A lot of that has to do with what the Warriors do as a team, right? I mean, um, I think if the Warriors shocked people this season and they could get like a top four seed in the West and that was largely because of Steph's brilliance, then he would very much be in the conversation. Um, Now for that to happen, a lot of things need to go right. Not just for Steph, but for the team as a whole. Um, So I still think that's a long shot, uh, but I think it's possible. I mean, I talked to, I talked to Brandon Payne, his trainer the other day, and he told me Steph is still getting stronger physically. Steph is, uh has not is not has not peaked in any way which is if that's true that's incredible the guy's 32 that the heart of an nba player's prime is supposed to be 27 um if he's but this guy's a physical anomaly in certain ways um what do you think you you see him having a chance yeah so um i just looked at the odds uh i got to peek back again so this is from um betonline.com um they have him third behind Luca and Giannis. So there's thoughts. And to me, there are two drastic different ways that he could be the MVP. One, I think you hit the exact number. If he leads a Warriors team that somehow is fourth or above in the West, he's in that conversation automatically. The other one is if the Warriors are horrible and he just puts up insane numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see it going one of two ways. And I think both are logical things that could happen this year is, the Warriors could be really bad or he could somehow lead a team that surprises the West and is in a, in the top four in, in a loaded conference. Um, that kind of feeds into our next question. Well, this is at, from at Basong Michelle and props to this Twitter user. This Twitter user asked me a bunch of questions, uh, several of which I thought were super pertinent and I'm actually going to probably, we're probably going to answer multiple of them because they were that good. Um, but this one is, what do you think is the Warriors' ceiling this season? What do we need to do to get there? Um, that's obviously a super pertinent question as we are on the eve of the season opener. Um, the projections have been all over the board for this team. I've seen everything from missing the playoffs to like top three team in the West. Um, and I think it's because it's really hard to quantify plays value. In certain ways, I mean, I, I've I've said it before, but to me, Clay is easily the second most important player on this team behind Steph. Um, and that's not no disrespect to Draymond, but Steph Clay does it on both sides of the ball. I mean, Clay's arguably the second best shooter in NBA history, and he's also uh, 
an all defensive team caliber perimeter defender. He's their best perimeter defender um, on the roster. And more importantly, I think he's, he's, he fits the ethos of this team. Like he's, he's in some ways the glue to this team. Um, Just having him around makes everyone feel better, helps the locker room dynamic. It helps, it helps everyone keep perspective because he just has such a good way about him. And I think, they're really going to miss that. And that's why Steph has made a point to encourage Clay to be around the team as much as possible, even though he's going to be rehabbing an Achilles injury. Um, and so it's, it's hard to say, but what I will say is this, what I will say is this, I think there's a much better chance that this season goes completely awry. And I'm not going to say they're as bad as last season, but they become a team that's at best fighting for, the eighth seed, uh, then then there's a chance of them getting the, a top four seed in the West. Um, and I say that because this is a team that basically knows it needs to have a top 10 defense to contend in the West. And they had the fifth worst defense in the league last season. They're still without Clay Thompson. Draymond Green is already dealing with some health concerns, is probably going to miss the season opener. Um, so who do they have on this roster? Who's a proven defender? Like, honestly, they have a bunch of guys who are like, okay, defensively, you know, they have Kent Bazemore who's solid. They have Kelly Oubre who's shown flashes. They have Wiggins who historically was awful, but has shown flashes. Um, and that to me is the biggest question. Like, I don't see a world where this team can have a top 10 defense. I just don't. And if they're in the bottom half defensively, um, they need the offense to be incredible to even have a chance. And offensively, I think that they're a little, I think they're a little predictable. Um, they're everyone knows that they're going to be trying to run the floor every single play that they're going to be trying to ratchet up the tempo and get out in fast breaks. Cause that's really, honestly, this team's only competitive advantage outside of the Steph Curry factor um, is they're faster and more athletic than a lot of teams. But the three-point shooting is a real issue. Um, they need Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins to be shooting closer to 36%, whereas both of these guys are around 33% on their careers. Those three percentage points matter a lot, especially when you're talking about a high volume. And, um, you know, these are, two, these are two guys who also need to be better defensively than they've ever been in their careers, which I read about yesterday. And I'm skeptical about that. I mean – look, these guys have been in the league half a decade and they haven't proven they can be great defenders. So why are we suddenly assuming that they're going to be these amazing defenders? Because they have big wingspans? A lot of players in the league have big wingspans and can move laterally. Like, you know, I'm just not sold on it. And I, I know I know Steve Kerr needs to preach that and needs to be optimistic because that's really his only chance. But I just have a hard time believing that's really going to happen. Well, you answered your own question. To finish in the top four in the West, you said they have to get out on the break, which means they have to stop somebody and then get out on the break. They don't have any defenders, so how are they going to stop anybody? Coach Kerr says they have to be in the top ten in the league in defense. I think they got to be in the top five. (laughs) Right? Like You you answered all your questions. They're they're probably not going to be very good, but I'll say at the end of all of that, they have number 30, and that – can change some things. I do. Yeah, and, then the, and then there's also the Wiseman factor, like how much of yeah, a difference that's right. to make. Um, 
which will be really interesting to see. I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There is a world where this team could be a top four team in the West, but literally everything has to go right. That's right. Everyone needs to stay healthy. Wiseman needs to be a difference maker immediately. Uh, Draymond Green needs to be put put his past struggles behind him. If all of a sudden Draymond comes back and is a d- defensive player of the year and convinces James Wiseman to be a franchise-changing center, then all of a sudden you have a defense. You have the makings yeah, of the top five. To me, it might be the biggest X factors. They need to be the most efficient offensively they've ever been. And, oh, by the way, they also need to be the best defensively they've ever been. That's right. So, there's a lot of what-ifs here. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I think there's a world where it could happen. I just – I know that when you're talking about this many what ifs in just practical reality, odds are they're not all going to break the Warriors' way. So you were so much more optimistic when we were talking about Molder and Smiley, man. What's happening here? I know, I know. Uh, but they, I, I think realistically, I think they're more like a six seed in the West, between six and eight. But I think they'll make the playoffs. Um, but I don't, I don't think they'll be like a serious factor in the West this season. Um, and they only have to be 10 this year to get in the playoffs. Right, right. And, you know, we're going to – It's gonna, pretty hard not to finish in the top then, 10. And then, and then Clay is going to come back next season, I think, if they can, can you know, get guys like Pascal and Lee and, and those guys, you know, meaningful reps and get them in a position to be real factors next season, that will only help too. So um, our next question is uh, also from Basong Michelle, which I almost never take – multiple questions from the same person, but I just like these questions. So props to you, Basong Michelle. Uh, how do you, th- how do you think Wiseman's rookie season will go? Um, I'm going to let you start on this one. Yeah. Um, so I have super mixed emotions on this because when there's a top two draft choice, I like to actually watch them play a little bit and he only has three games of data points. Right. right. Um, but when I was working on the story for our preview section that ran on Sunday, um, I talked to some people who I really respect who were like, man, this dude is hungry. He's asking the right questions. We're showing him video and he's already watched it. Um, he's already, they want to start him out super basic, like with terminology and the basics of what the schemes are in the NBA on offense and defense. And already he was like, well, let's talk about personnel. Let's let's get further along. Um, and so I like that. So I think there's a chance. And obviously, uh, his body type and athleticism um, are remarkable. But if there is also that hunger, I think he's got a chance. Yeah. Interesting from a reporting perspective right now, right? Because normally we can at least catch the end of practice and we're around the team and we can kind of pull guys aside and, and get a little bit more candid quotes but right now because of the pandemic we're basically having to do all of our reporting over the phone and over zoom and so you're you just kind of have to go off what guys are saying right and at the beginning of training camp steve kerr and them were all very much trying to temper expectations that was probably because at the time they realized that he had tested positive for the coronavirus uh, which we didn't know for another week or so after that but um you know they were trying to temper expectations, but you've seen the narrative and the and the soundbite shift on him in the past week or two since he's been back at practice. People are really excited about him. Like Steve Kirk is struggling to contain his excitement. Um, they just haven't had a guy like this before. They haven't had this like 
physical specimen seven footer who's also somewhat skilled. I mean, they had JaVale McGee, but JaVale McGee could basically do two things for you. You could run the floor and he could block shots. And I've said the whole time, like, I think realistically, when you're talking about the fact that James Wiseman has not played a basketball game in 13 months, he is a rookie 19-year-old trying to adjust to the NBA, and it always feels like it takes big men a little longer to adjust to the NBA. He, You need to keep your expectations in check for his rookie season. Um, and I think you add in the fact that he had a coronavirus positive test and missed all training camp and then you know was kind of behind the eight ball and is still figuring out the plays and the schemes you know this is a guy who you know i think if everything had gone well to this point would definitely be their starting center tomorrow um but given the fact that he hasn't played a game it's not for sure he'll start steve came out and said the other day he's going to be our starting center soon enough which that kind of endorsement i think bodes well for him i mean i think it me i don't think steve says that unless he was impressed with what he's seen already because even though this guy is the number two pick and you draft someone at number two to be a franchise guy the warriors are smart about putting too many expectations on a, on a young guy and so they wouldn't say that unless they really were confident in him so i trust them um i think that he is going to end up being like a better version of JaVale McGee this season. I think he's going to, you know, be the starting center and be a lob threat and and run the floor and throw down alley-oop dunks and and block shots and and do all those things which they need. But I, one, 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 of the, one of the things that I'm looking for from him is can he be uh, – can he create for himself and can he create for others? Can he make his own shot? Can, can he expand his offensive repertoire a bit? You know, like right now, he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of moves. Can he can he make more moves and get confident enough in them to use them in an NBA game? Um, and if he can do those things, I think he can be like a legitimate double double guy as a rookie potentially. Um, now that's a big if, but I think more realistically, from a number standpoint, you're looking at maybe more like eight points, six rebounds a game something like that. But I think if he, if he, if he could average like 12 and 10, I think that's a great rookie season for him. I don't, I don't think anyone should be expecting him to come in and average 20 and 10 as a rookie. And I think you hit on it. Like that's the way the Warriors were talking at the beginning. Like all we're going to ask him to do is protect the rim and rim run. That's it. That's all we're going to ask him to do. And and that would have been a fine rookie season. Um, And I think you're exactly right that, They've changed their tone even publicly. It doesn't even it doesn't even take behind the scenes conversations. Like publicly, they're saying, "Oh, this guy's different," um, and which is remarkable because he's missed thirteen months, including the past five months, which used to be you got drafted, showed up to a city for your press conference, got acclimated to the city, had a mini camp, went to Las Vegas, had a summer league, came back, practiced for a month, and then had trading camp. He missed all of that. So he has no NBA experience at all in the last five months. And then coronavirus protocol and misses training camp in in a truncated version of it. So he's way behind the eight ball. And for the Warriors to already say uh, he's going to be special, I, I, I think he I think he must be pretty stinking good. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just – I know Steve well enough where he's really good at choosing his words carefully. And he knows – 
that all this messaging and all these sound bites get back to the players. And so he's not going to say something like that about Wiseman unless he's like really confident in it. And so that's the biggest reason why I believe Wiseman is going to be a real factor this season. Um, the next question is from uh, Air Bry Bry. I, I don't understand these Twitter handles, man. They're, they're all over the place. But at, from at Air Bry Bry, <clears throat> assuming he plays very good this season, do you think Kelly Oubre will still be with the Warriors next season? Um, so Kelly Oubre, for those who don't know, is in the last year of his contract. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent next summer, um, which is not Really interesting situation, I think, on, on a couple different levels. Uh, for him personally, he's a guy who has kind of bounced around the league a little bit, uh, was on three teams in a week <laughs> this offseason. Um, you know, and then going back earlier in his life has kind of been all over the place, moved around New Orleans growing up, and then was displaced by her, Hurricane Katrina, lived in the Houston area, then, uh, you know, played a year of prep school in Nevada, then a year at Kansas and then you know has bounced around the league so I think he wants a home and he expressed that very clearly when he got on with the Warriors like he wants this to be a long-term fit for him and I think the Warriors would love it to be a long-term fit too um you know they I think in an ideal world would see him as someone who can obviously fill the void of clay that help fill the void of clay this season and then when clay comes back next season if they can resign Ubre do you you have him as like a, a high energy six or seventh man coming off the bench and as a who can help lead that that second unit and be, provide a scoring punch and and be a good defender and I think that would be a huge asset for this team because the big question for them lately has been the, the second unit I, I really like their their first unit even without clay I really like their first string but the, I'm not sold totally on the second unit in the bench yet. And if you can add a piece like Ubre to the bench, a piece who's a guy who's like pretty proven in this league, who can score at a high level, that would add so much for the, for a team that hopefully will be contending for a title next season. And by next season, I mean, 2021, 22. Hey Connor, do we have uh, an interactive piece online where people could read about all these interesting contract situations? <laughs> Yeah, we have uh, we did a big thing on how the Warriors got the biggest payroll in the NBA, and uh, shout out to John Schultz, my boss. It was his idea. Uh, I do not come with all the up with all the ideas. I just execute sometimes. But uh, you know, yeah, we we put together a piece looking at how they got the biggest payroll in the NBA, um, and that's another factor here. Is like, are the will are the what kind of contract would Ubre command, and would they Warriors be willing to pay it? Um, uh, that I honestly think that they would because they Joe Lacob has shown that he's willing to pay whatever he needs to pay to have the best roster possible. To me, the bigger question is would Ubre be okay being in a bench role? Yep. Uh, this is a guy who's still they might he, if they could bring him back as a seventh or eighth man, it'd be great. Yeah, he's just about to hit, hit the prime of his career. Does he want to be coming off the bench? You know, he probably believes that he can be like the face of a franchise type guy, which to be honest with you, if he's the face of a franchise, your team's not very good. You talk to him. He's all about Brandon himself. And he absolutely thinks he's one of the 30 best players in the world. So yeah, 
Thank which you. I, I appreciate the confidence. It's why he's where he is, but he's not a top 30 player in the league. Uh, it's a long way from being the face of a franchise to a seventh or eighth man on a team. He ain't taking that deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time though, it's like, dude, you could get 25 minutes a night on a championship contender and play along clay and Steph and Draymond to me. If I, I would think about that, that's a good deal to me, but you know, I, 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 at this point, I think it's a long shot that he's on the team long-term. This is probably a one-year rental. It's not like the D'Angelo Russell situation where it was just like, obviously a, a one-year rental. But, um, yeah, it, it just – the big thing to me is I don't think he wants to be coming off the bench, which especially after having started this whole season and, and being a major factor both offensively and defensively for this team, it'd be really hard to get If the Warriors had any chance of bringing him back, you just ruined it when you said he was going to be the seventh or eighth man, a defensive specialist off the bench. He was like, I'm out. <laughs> well, I, I actually think he'd be the sixth man, but – you know, that kind of depends on Pascal's development as well. Um, Rusty, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's uh, it's just nice to see a familiar face in these uh, quarantine times. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can our readers find your stuff and, and, and read your stuff and uh, in case they're silly enough to not already be doing that? Well, I'm still kind of old school, so I like to pick up the hard copy of the newspaper but they've made it real simple for us now you can go to sfchronicle.com um, we even post our stuff all over twitter and instagram and all kinds of crazy places so check us out all the place and i usually ch- just try to link everybody to connor stuff his is way better <laughs> no we all do good stuff man i appreciate that um you've been helping out a lot this season already and i know you're going to continue to it's been nice having a real team approach at the Chronicle. We hit all the bases, so definitely if you're if you haven't already, subscribe to the Chronicle. Um, and let's let's chat soon, man. Yeah, let's do it. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com/pod.